0: Hello everyone and welcome to CommsHum, the podcast for PR superstars and communications professionals. Join me, Cloda Pickavance, as I delve into the highs and lows of my peers' careers. In each episode, I'll be picking my guests' brains to find out about their career path, biggest PR disasters and for the tips they wish they'd had when they were starting out. Hi everyone and thanks for joining this week's Hun. We're with Ellen Mahoney, who kick-started her PR career in fashion and lifestyle, working for the likes of Alexander McQueen and Selfridges, next joining the communications store. She then made the move to public sector and now helps lead digital communications at City Hall for the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. Thanks for joining us, Ellen. Um, Just a caveat that we are doing this remotely again because of lockdown restrictions, but uh, yeah, thanks for dialling in. No props, babes. Nice to be here. Nice to be here, fellow comms mm-hmm. Um So with, without uh, any delay, how did you get into comms?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm not sure if when this story becomes too embarrassing <laughs> to tell, to be honest. But <laughs> I genuinely got into comms, or like, like specifically PR, um, because of the hills, the MTV, <laughs> like incredible show. <laughs> like life-changing for me the hills like I was obsessed oh, yeah. with it as a teenager I think it must have come on when we were about like because we're the yeah. same age early teen. Mm-hmm. come on early teens like yeah like I definitely remember being 16 17 I'm like really looking at my like UCAS form being like oh my god what do I want to do what do I love and I was like I just loved what they do like I just looked so glamorous like the events, the jobs they were doing—it just looked so interesting and like completely so is that different. What you,
0: is that what you did at uni? Then you did PR and communications.
1: So it, well, exactly. So I was sort of like, now I know from my own experience, like actually doing those jobs and doing that at university, like it's very entry level. Um, yeah. But at the time when I was like thinking about what I want to do for the like the rest of my life, because I'm like from a quite a small town, and mm. I and my my family, like my parents are divorced, and like my mum like supported us. And I was like, if I go to university, like I can't be one of these kids who are so fortunate to like go on a gap year for like 12 months and, you know, just do a degree in like whatever subject at school they like, and then just like dither about a bit and like see, and like, you know, see what, what sticks. Like, I was like, I need to, I need a job. Like I need to like go to university, do a course at university that will get me a job so that I can move out and pay my rent. And like, my mum doesn't have to give me any money anymore. Um, and like, that was the, the Hills was just like the only thing that I was, <laughs> I could see that was like, that career looks sick. I love it. Um, so yeah. And like, I thought, I, like I said, like now I know from my own experience, like the, the jobs that they were doing are like so entry level and not glamorous yeah. at all. Um, and there's like not, no like real skill required in like,
0: you know, sending back jeans to a brand yeah. or like, labeling envelopes. But
1: it's, it's so exciting.
0: Is The Hills the reason that you then thought fashion PR? Because obviously there are so many different 100%. forms of PR or comms that you could do. There are literally, you could specialize in every industry. And so it's that then why you were like fashion.
1: Yeah, like I'd always loved designers. And like I bought, like, was, well, I remember my first 16th birthday, my mom like got me a copy of Vogue because like she just knew how much, like I just loved drawing and sketching. Oh, um, like I was never a designer. Like I was terrible. I was terrible at designing, but like I loved doing it. Um, but, and I knew that, but I knew I didn't have like, of art background to be able to do like design um so I was like looking around at like where would do like a course like that and there was Nottingham I think Nottingham Trent did one That's um right. and then I went to yeah Trent. I feel, I feel yeah. like Nottingham Trent did one I know that there was a university like right by me called University of the Creative Arts um and they have one in Epsom and in Rochester is like kind of where I'm from and then there was London mm-hmm. College of Fashion which was like the big dog like international like you know you're in London like you're like paying like out of your ass yeah. like it's the it's most expensive in the yeah. UK um but I I like had to do an interview like it was so interesting because like I don't know anyone else who had this experience for I mean maybe mm. people who go to like Oxford University in Cambridge like have this experience but like the entry process for London College mm. of Fashion was so difficult you had to do first you had to do your UCAS form and like yeah the statement, um, where it is. statement and all and first I had to like approve that then you had to go in for then you, then you had to go for an interview um mm. but before you even got the interview you had to do a test to see what well, basically like it was so savage they would like sit you in a room you had to do a test mm. and then they'd call out the people who passed the test and if you <gasps> didn't you would just be left behind and you'd have to go home it was so oh. like it was
0: almost it's very like fashion like cutthroat like um, it's interesting that you say that because I did broadcast journalism at um, Nottingham Trent, and again, it's a course that a lot of people wanted to be on. And I think I say only; I think it was only they only took about eighty students a year. So I had to do a test as well. And you went in, you had to re- um, write up what would be your like news pitch, go into the studio and record it. Um, I can't even remember what the other elements of it, it was like a whole day. Then you go home, and then, as you say, then you 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 know that you either passed or failed that based on whether you got your um. I want to call it provisional, but that's not it. is it? A provisional yeah, conditional. It is it's a initial. conditional. There we go. Um. So yeah, also very kind of cutthroat in a way. I guess comms and journalism and all of that—they're very um. There are industry that people want to get into, and so yeah. um, you kind of. With university, it's your first kind of taste of the competitiveness of that, of industry. But, you know, I think there are so many other ways in. I think now that uni is like nine and a half grand or whatever it is, yeah. genuinely now for it being, I know it's not a debt that you pay back until you start going into work. But I just, I think I'd be looking at apprenticeships and stuff like okay. the, my mind boggles that people are coming out of uni now with, what is it, like £70,000 debt and they've not even got started yet. My It just blows my mind. And, I yeah, I don't know. It's criminal. I'd, I'd look at a different. I'd look at a different group. But so yeah. on this, and so you were you were a fashion comms a Fash person. Fashion, fashion comms person for a few years. But then you've obviously now made the move to public sector, kind of similar to me. I'm not as glam. I'm I'm local authority comms. But for the mayor of London, for Sadiq Khan, which must be like another level of pr because the the yeah. story jobs, you go even if they're <clears throat> london based they go you know national and stuff like that so tell me a bit about that how did you go from doing fashion and then doing like digital because there's also a bit of a uh, a difference between traditional pr and digital which is what you specialize in and then going and working for him
1: yeah so i was at i was in four years at an agency before um joining city hall and i loved it i really did love it um it completely, like, shaped my career like it's it's the longest stint I've ever had in a job four years is a long time um but I was I mean this was I, went, I left I've so I've it's two years now with the mayor of London mm-hmm. um two years ago was like prime the world we thought at the time the world was like going to shit you know Trump was president like everything mm-hmm. Brexit had just kicked off like everything was going wrong mm-hmm. and, and, I've, and I've always I've always been very politically um uh, like motivated like I've always mm-hmm. had a like a massive interest in that world um it affect it affected my like decisions that like prime ministers made affected directly affected my life when I was like a kid like I'm mm-hmm. under Tony Blair's government like we my mum got tax credits because she was a single parent and yeah. it completely changed the access to to just the world that we had like my mum was suddenly Mm. getting like benefits because she was our household was under the national income of what it was like kind of like deemed acceptable Mm. to be earning standard living um so when that was introduced like we suddenly had more access to so much more things like we could get a computer Mm. I could like go online and like start reading things like I could buy more things that I could actually like develop my development yeah. um, so and, I, and my mum had made me very aware of that as a, as a kid like my both my parents had been like somewhat like political activists when they were younger in the 80s that was a very like tumultuous time um so it's just always been in my I'd always had an understanding of like how directly this stuff impacts people and communities especially um so when I was at my agency before this before this role mm. I was I was i had been there for a long time and I was kind of doing the same thing over and over again and I was also like noticed myself like Constantly complaining about the state of the world, constantly being yeah. like, "This is terrible. This is so shit. This is so bad. How can this be happening? Like, how can people not be voting? How can people not be more outraged at all the stuff that's going on?" And then, um, and then one of my friends, like, like, saw who, who works in the public sector, so, sent me this role, and they were like, "Oh, you, um, you should consider about because I was I was actively looking for jobs, but I just didn't, and I knew that I, that that, that kind of thing was something that I wanted mm. to go into. But it's such, I mean, a it's such a boys. Industry politics in general is such a boys' industry, and I had no experience of public sector at all. Yeah. I hadn't done any internships. I had I didn't even do I didn't even do anything like that at university. All yeah. my career has been solely like fashion and lifestyle. Yeah. Um. So I was very much like, oh, this is probably not going to happen. You know, it's it's quite a leap um, in terms of industries. Like the, the difference between the two industries are massive. Um. But then I saw this job, digital communications officer. Um, for the for the GLA which is Great London Authority which is the mm. kind of the organization that the mayor works in um and I mean I applied for it and I and I bloody got it and I was like no. oh. I mean I, I, I thought I always thought like I had the knowledge to do that stuff but I never really appreciated that and you've got, you've know, got,
0: to, I, you've got to throw your hat in the ring because if you self um you know exclude yourself then you then you never know like All, all very well. If somebody says no, you you're not, you can't. I don't think you can do this job. But don't self exclude yourself before you've even tried. So, excellent that you you put yourself, self forward. And actually, it's it's a whole transferable skills thing. So, I don't know if you've ever found this, but people get so confused that I started my career at L'Oréal. Then I went and like PR'd um, Beko, which is one of the UK's leading um, consumer goods companies. And, used to, you know, like PR in washing machines and, and fridges and, you know, getting full, full pages of coverage for fridges. Um and then have gone into public sector, and I'm, you know, I might be. It's not as big scale as you, but I might be writing a press release about our mayor opening something and working in, um, yeah. or it could end up actually being kind of like uh, crisis comms in terms of I've got to do a statement, or there'll be like internal comms and it just I think it goes back to have you got that straight transferable skills? so are you a people person can you build relationships with people um, and get into the skin of a topic and are you good at writing and just all of that kind of jazz so um I love that you were able to make the jump and smash it
1: yeah and like and I like that whole experience I remember when I was at my agency and I had like handed my notice in and I was like telling um, people, you know, the people on my, in my team or like um, not clients, but kind of like, you know, I, I did a lot of influencer engagement yeah. um, because my role was very much, has, has very much transitioned into digital communications um, and, and yeah, like people's faces, they were like, oh my God, really? oh wow that's so different and I I completely agree it's like it's not really that different I mean the industry is different but like I am a yeah I'm a I'm a communications professional like I understand communications I understand how it works like I can build those relationships I understand the messages that need to be that that people need to be be fed in order to like you know perform an action perform a behavior and that like especially at the moment like with with the coronavirus absolutely like that is massive and it's such an interesting time to work mm. in the public sector I don't know don't know if, I don't know if you feel the same oh, in terms of you know
0: five, five o'clock in the afternoon I've written a load of comms and then it's like oh okay a press briefing has happened and I need to rewrite all of those comms so just just stay online for a good few more hours and uh, I think people in uh, local authorities across the country uh, feel the same if, if probably not in any of the high risk areas probably far more stressed than any, yeah. any of my colleagues so yeah And it's such a
1: responsibility, isn't it? Like it's, I mean, we when when you're agency side, you're responsible for to the client. Like your job is making. Like basically making the client happy, right? Mm. And then when you're in public sector, you're the the stakes are so. And this so. is not to diminish anything that agency work do. Like that is a specific, like that is a, just a specific part of the industry. Yeah, that, like that generates billions of pounds. That like there's nothing mm. to diminish that. But when you move into like public sector, for example, like the stakes are so much higher. If you if you have bad communications team, you could be in a situation where people in your country or in your local authority don't understand. Mm what's going on and don't follow the rules and more people end up dying. Like it's it there is so much responsibility.
0: Um, so much and that is that and it's it's really
1: I it's think really at the really moment at the it's just
0: it's clear communication is the key. And at the moment there are so many caveats to everything. And you know, if you live in this area, then these are the rules. And if you live in this area, these are the rules. But and you can meet out with this many people but actually, if you're playing a sports game, it's this many people. Um, but if it's a funeral, it's this many people. But if it's a wedding, it's this many people. And as a comms person who's good at getting up to speed with, um, you know, what needs to be said and what the messages are, I struggle to keep up. And so I in one way, I, it's no wonder that perhaps other people struggle to keep up. But then your job is to like, oh, how do I simplify this? How do I make it 100%. easy? What, what message can I put out to my, people locally that lands with them? And so... Yeah, we just can, we can only do our best, I suppose. But um, I'm going to move on to the next question. What advice would you give to yourself at the beginning of your career, Ellen? Oh, my gosh. There's, like, oh so my gosh. much. Don't you think there's so much that you would say
1: to your younger self but like,
0: <laughs> that, like, that would just make, like... I think it would just shake me and be, like, you did a journalism degree, you can write, because I know that you did public relations, so perhaps they were always teaching you to write for a press release. But, my God, did I get a shock when... I was then asked to write a press release. It was like my brain just couldn't um, compute it. And then like the more that I did it, then you actually understand that it's quite formulaic. And it's the same for writing uh, like a media statement, Um, you know, acknowledged perhaps whatever the crisis is that's happened let them know they're investigating it and then now that I read other media things I'm like they're all formulaic and once you get your head around that you're like oh okay (laughs) yeah
1: and and like and so I guess one of the things that like I would like definitely like you're learning like every experience is a learning experience and that that goes down to like mistakes so like like appreciating the value in a making a mistake like too often mm. we beat ourselves up and run over our errors over and over again in our heads to the point where it breeds into this anxiety yeah. and it kind of becomes like an actual blocker in being able to do your job or whatever it yeah. is that you're doing in life because maybe it's even like a relationship like you know when you just when you just like mm. think over and over and over again about this one mistake or this one problem and then it just it, – it blocks everything from – it yeah. blocks your, like, vision. Um, and that's something I did all the time when I was younger, like, especially, mm. especially like, in my early career. Like, I was so – I was such a perfectionist. And I just thought yeah. any mistake meant that I wasn't good at my job. Um, it was probably a self-esteem thing. It was probably because, like, I'd never – I, like – I was even though I'd done it even though I'd done PR at university like I was mm. still very, felt like a fish out of water I came from a very small town and then all of a sudden I was in like the fashion industry it I felt I felt like like the odd one out like the black sheep like oh, yeah. I? Like, a, like almost like imposter, uh, imposter um, syndrome mm. um but then I realized that everyone is literally faking it in PR like really, it, really, like especially in like the fashion industry like everyone is completely faking it um mm. and that's something that's helped me a lot um but with the mis- mistakes yeah it's just such a waste of time to dwell on your mistakes like you can you sh- we should just always use them to learn and to grow in yeah. just stick with the mistake learn from it use it as like this armor that protects you from doing it again yeah. um uh, it is absolutely true.
0: true. I I don't necessarily even remember all of the times that things went well at work, but I could reel off the moments of like, oh god, I remember when this happened, and I had a typo in this, and then you always remember after that. Well, I'll never let that happen again because, as you say, if you especially as a perfectionist, it feels like the floor is falling out beneath you. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Um, but then, yeah, as you say, don't then dwell on it. Then be like, right. In order to avoid that scenario again, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then yeah. you get that's how you get better and you evolve. So, yeah. um, but don't sit there dwelling on it forever. And as you say, let it become a blocker. Oh, that's really good advice, Ellen. Love that. Yeah.
1: Well, it's because the blocker thing, like with like, I'm big on mental health, especially with work. Mm. Like, I think I look back at my career in the last over the last ten years now, and that I let I let jobs and like mistakes impact my mental health so much and that and now I'm now I've got quite a good I mean no one has like a brilliant mental health but like I I feel feel like I know the things about I know myself well enough now to like know when I'm being triggered when I'm triggering myself when I'm dwelling on something and I guess like we should never let a job this is what I'd say to myself when I was younger really it's like never let a job impact your mental health like your mental health always comes first boundaries to protect your mental health is so important it's harder Mm. to do that obviously when you're relatively junior and yeah. you're A, given the amount of work and responsibility oh, that an account back. executive is given, which is somewhat ridiculous. Um, and B, like when you're, especially now, like when you're working from home, which most of us are now, um, it's so hard to separate. I can't imagine being
0: that junior and, and working from home because then, yeah, you're essentially managing people's expectations virtually it's like I was talking about with Jem on on the last podcast and it's like you know she if was if she was in the office you might notice that someone looks a bit worried just sat at their desk and you could quickly grab and say do you want to get a cup of tea and then find out what's possibly wrong but now I think you know um leaders and and even just with ourselves as you say setting the boundaries between work and home um we all have to i think put in that bit more effort to you know if we are managing somebody remotely and um, to check in with them whether that's giving them you know um a phone call on teams or whatever software that you use and and just making that extra effort and, and remembering yeah. to do it so. because just because you can't physically see someone um and they're at home doesn't mean that they're you know not struggling and i guess the other thing is um when we get to our point in our career, so we're at quite similar points, aren't we? We forget that actually now it might take me like half an hour or an hour to write a press release and I just blitz it out. Whereas like me back when I was like a press assistant or account exec would just be like, they're having a complete meltdown and hours at at half a day and then and 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 so then we're like oh why is my mental health much better now and it's like because it doesn't give you a complete panic attack being asked to write a press release which is the bread and butter of being a comms person yeah and it's confidence at the end of the day yeah yeah,
1: confidence now and you know you know you've done it loads of times before whereas like Mm. I definitely think I definitely think I suffered from the imposter syndrome where I was like, "People think I'm really good, but am I really? Am I really good? Am like, really I'll find out that I'm actually not good, and I'm gonna totally fuck this up." And but like, you just it, it that goes with time, and like anyone yeah. who listens to this, and like, if I, at any time I, I I like deal with an intern now at work, um, and they're like anxious or worried, like I literally. Yeah. I let, I'm, I just sit there and I'm like, this is my life story. This is how many times I've cocked it
0: up. <laughs> yeah.
1: You learn that. <laughs> no, uh,
0: another good one, because you're talking about like confidence and imposter syndrome. I had a boss once, shout out Poppy. And she <laughs> started doing this thing when she could tell I was really anxious. And on a Friday morning, she emailed me three things I did really well that week and so that's so nice and so then your confidence grows because you're like you we often and just in life in general we forget to stop and go oh, what's that what have i actually done well this week and it could even be like the most basic you know admin things but just to pause and go actually like I did get x y and z done or I did do this this and this really well so um yeah absolutely that's a really good way to, to build confidence because we might not notice ourselves growing at the time but if you can pause and reflect then you can see things getting better but then on that because you've talked about being a perfectionist and you know it being quite stressful at the beginning of your career and talking about learning from your mistakes so have you got a biggest pr disaster that you can share with us and and, and tell us why it was such a disaster or do you not have one <laughs> I,
1: have, I do have a few um one one is always because a few people have asked me this before and like i always like to remind like whenever i whenever when i was ever in my last jobs and people would make mistakes i would always like mm-hmm. pull this one out of the bag um, it was when i was interning actually I think I was I think I was in my third year or second year of, of university I was interning mm-hmm. at Selfridges in the mm-hmm. Selfridges press office um really great internship like loved the team um I got to do so much fun stuff I got to pull looks for I mean I didn't like I didn't style the looks but like mm-hmm. I still got to go and like get the clothes and like speak to hair. the hills. like yeah <laughs> it was kind of like the hills like it was definitely a Lauren at the moment um And yeah, so we were doing this uh, Selfridges, we're going to be on, we're going to, well, Selfridges Clouds um we're going to be on the cover of GQ <clears throat> wow. Tom Jones Tom Jones was going to be on the cover and he was going to be wearing like all Selfridges head to toe obviously these okay. are brands at Selfridges so this particular yeah. brand was Tom Ford um so I remember like going to, getting all like the list of the stuff that I had to pull for Tom Jones mm-hmm. um went down to Tom Ford like obviously Tom Ford is just incredible and the mm. suit was probably like 10 grand like it's like wow. ridiculous ridiculous money and just in, in the most incredible clothes um so it was for GQ, and I sent it to the stylist. addressed it to the stylist. Sent it to Hanover Square, uh, which is where mm. GQ is based in yeah. London, um, just off uh, like just off Regent Street, I think. Mm. Um, and then I met. Um, so I had a great day at work. Then I decided to meet a couple of girls, and we went to go to. What we thought was like the trendiest place to eat at the time was Vapiano. It just Ooh. opened and we were just like, this is fab. And now I look at Vapiano, I'm like, oh my God, I would never eat there ever again. It's, it's a pizza <laughs> restaurant. It's literally just a pizza restaurant. <laughs> like, but we Wait, were just The like, one that's on um, Great Portland Street. Yeah, that was yeah. the
0: very home. The very same one. Over the from Top Shop. So yeah. glad, hun. So glad. <laughs>
1: And it was, and we were just like, we are the hottest thing right now. We've just finished our internships, like we're strutting down on the right Portland Street, going to get pizza. And um, my like supervisor messaged me, and she was like, "Hey, um, just wanted to check the stylist hasn't received the clothes yet. Um, so I just wanted to check if everything was okay." And I was like, "Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, I, I definitely sent it. I sent it to GQ. She was like, "Yeah, okay. So um, just to check, like it was to the stylist personally, not to G, not to GQ the magazine." And I was like, "Oh." no worries i'm literally down the road from hanover square i'll go and grab the suit and and she was and I, I was like i'll speak to the stylist i'll sort this out put the phone down i was like shitting myself i was like oh my god what a yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. is also like this is also like quarter to six now on a friday yeah. night on a friday night like everyone in fashion like like clocks off at like four thirty and gets pissed like no one is working at this time so I'm like, shit, 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 shit. Um, one. Luckily, one of the girls I was with, my friends at the time, like her, she had done a shoot. She, sorry, she had done an internship at GQ before. So she was oh. like, I know, I know the um, I know the entry to the post room, like wherever all the deliveries go. Let's go, let's go there and let's try. Skiing. I mean, I feel like you're admitting to the- broken GQ
0: right now. No, no, no. It was
1: open. It was open. So. There's a, delivery, there's a delivery like section of um of like Hanover Square, and it's where all the trucks and like people like get their, their stuff delivered. <clears> okay. photo so I go in there, and I speak to this the the guy behind the desk, and I'm like, I something got delivered to GQ. Um, I need it. <laughs> I need it. I'm going to meet the stylist. Like the stylist is like, by the way, driving down the road, like. I've obviously like to completely like messed up their evening. They're like driving mm. down the road to meet me. I'll like, I'll meet you in 10 minutes with the suit. No oh. problem. Um, the the security guard or the postman was like, Well, everyone's gone from GQ, like they're not here. And I was like, Can you please go check? <laughs> because he was like, he was like, the suit's not here, so it must have been delivered. But um, I can't get an answer. And I was like, Well, can you go and like knock on the door? Can you do like, can I go and knock on the door? Can we do something yeah, like that we together? Leave? Yeah. Um so he goes off and then my friend like tells me, she's like, I don't want to freak you out, but basically, yeah everyone like pisses off at like 4 four thirty here like I don't think anyone's going to be there and I was like nope everything's gonna be fine everything's Everyone's going to be, be there no one's working late <laughs> so this guy takes ages and then in the meantime this girl uh calls my name out and I look to the side and it's this girl that I went to school with for like five years secondary school and mm. I was like Bowie like shout out to Bowie and I was like Bowie and she was like oh my god oh like hi like what are you doing here and I'm like I mean I'm having a nightmare (laughs) like I need this suit from GQ the shoot is tomorrow morning at 7am and I've delivered it to the wrong place and the stylist is down the road coming to meet me and he's Mm. he's expecting me to give him this 10,000 pound like Tom Ford suit and I don't have it and she was like oh I'm actually interning for GQ right now um but I'm in front of GQ style and there's two different offices and I was um, like can you go check please can you go check and she's like uh, let me go see if there's anyone there if I can like get the suit or if, if I can you, like yeah. work out away so she goes up and then in the meantime the guy comes down and he's like no there's absolutely no one there there's no chance but um you are I can I can help you sorry and I was like this is the worst. Oh, this is the worst. Okay. And Boo've been a while now. Okay. She's been like ten minutes. And then I'm just like, mm. at least, I need I at least need to wait to see what she, what she's Maybe like. She what she and she comes downstairs and she's got the fucking suit in her hand. And I was just like, Oh my God,
0: I'm so in love with you. <laughs> I was just like yeah, what I what feel like family. I've been on an emotional roller case there. It's a really <laughs> heart pounding story. <laughs> and it also exciting. makes me feel like you could have had your own version of the hills and that followed you around on your internship that because was I mean, no I that was yeah it was you you wished for it and you got it but and I'm like, like yeah, running, it ends with me running down you know like, when you're that junior that you wouldn't necessarily know that you need to put like the stylist name like I know that like to people who've always been doing it they're like well of course and it's not that you've been like, I feel like we're both quite switched on people. But if you've never, you've got to take a, a step back and go, if you've never, never, ever done something before, what is like a bullet point list of things that you, like a checklist that you'd give to somebody? Yeah. Well, it might seem like such a, um, you know, a menial thing to add to the stylist name. But I just, yeah. Anyway, you, I mean, I learned learned that. it's a dramatic, it's an excellent story for dinner parties. I'm sure all the commons listening have been on the same ro- ro- emotional rollercoaster as I have been listening to you tell it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just eyes like think relationships. Like, <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> absolutely.
1: I mean, if what she would be all right. Yeah, she's yeah.
0: gone. She'd probably gone up, seen us, and gone, no, it's not there. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I would have found that too if I just met my <laughs> enemy. The, me- the other message in that is be a nice hand to people. Yeah, be Very a nice, nice hand. Don't nice. <laughs> kick people on the way up or down because you never know. And 1 million percent 1 million percent one million percent. which then leads me nicely to the next uh question which would be what makes a good boss and why uh I've I have so many
1: thoughts on this on this <laughs> um like I mean you know we were talking earlier about like mental health yeah. and like the amount of work that account executives do and like yeah. especially people that you know that junior like when you're like I've only started managing. I've probably been managing people for about four years, but I'd say mm. only in the last year, so this year, twenty twenty, have I actually maybe. Like I mean, I only, yeah, only this year have I actually. I think I've been doing it properly. Um, yeah. and that's because of like the people that you're exposed to when you're being managed at an early age. Right. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it's, it's like anything in life. Like if, you're, if your yeah. parents are crap to you, likelihood is that you could be, a, you could be a crap parent yourself. Like mm. if, you know, if you, if like people are being mean to you, likelihood is that you're going to be a very negative person. Like management have a responsibility to care for people starting at entry level and AA roles. And because so often those people get the least supervision. Um, Mm. and yet they have the most clients and the longest list of responsibilities Um, good managers will like actually take the time to develop your personal progression and not just be someone who does your appraisal twice a year and you know approves your annual leave there's a big difference Mm -hmm. Um, I think bad managers breed bad managers and I remember when I first started managing people it was tough because all I'd ever kind of only the, the direction that I'd got was just like stress 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 like yeah and it's not not, I'm not and you know I haven't had like a really really awful manager ever Mm. um I've definitely had people who you know you've got like you've got your like you've got people who are like very busy and like yeah. it's, the, it's probably the last thing that they're going to do of the day is like, Oh, let me just check in with that person and just see how they're getting on with their workload. Like they're really busy. They're billing thousands and thousands of pounds. Like they're trying to win new business. Like it's mm. a really tough, it's a really tough industry and agency is extremely tough. And I think agencies have a big problem with management, a massive problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like I think bad managers breed bad managers. And I think mm. if you don't get the right direction um you won't be able to then manage other people well yourself. So when I changed roles and I started being managed by someone who like really cared about my progression and was actively Mm. trying to lift me up, it was genuinely like life-changing. Like it affected my whole mood inside and outside of work. Like I noticed that like their objective they, I could—it was almost like they were working for me. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like it feels like your objective is like to like—I can see you—you you have a—you are invested. You that invested
0: is your objective as a manager, because at the end of the day, if I don't know—and you were saying like, the responsibility of an accounting exec is so much—but like it's all those bread and butter things of the smooth running of an agency, so getting press clippings over in a good timely manner. Um, you know, them having the confidence to write a press release quickly but to a good quality. If you're not nurturing somebody and they can't get those things done, you might then have a a client on the phone saying, where's that press release for the launch next week? And if it's because you've not been helping someone who is very junior to manage their time or helping them get better at their writing, at the end of the day, as the person who's more senior, it's going to be your neck that gets it. And then if their response is then to then scream at the account exec then and not for a moment go actually do you know what I was so busy doing this and this I didn't supervise them or check in with them at all then then yeah you know there, there is a responsibility somewhere but you you don't always want it to be that if you say bad managers breed uh, bad managers you don't want it to be that then they progress up the ranks and think oh yeah I got shouted at as an account exec for not getting things done Um, it. That's obviously the way that I need to manage my account exec because it's not. It just breeds fear and people then making mistakes or trying to hide mistakes that you don't want, things that are just basically not good culture-wise it doesn't breed confidence like when people make
1: mistakes that so that, so in terms of what makes a good manager it's people mm. who are like actively invested in your progression that like look at you you and the, you know them and you as a team like when people yeah. make mistakes a, ma- a good manager does not dwell on that mistake they talk yeah. to them about it they should ask them how they think that when and what happened mm. and they should also look at their own part to play exactly like you said like was yeah. I supervising them enough like was I um did I brief them properly did I let them know Mm. did I I reinforce the deadlines enough like look at your own involvement and that and that goes in anything in life in general like at the end of the day being a good manager is just being a good person like and and a fair person like in your relationships with your friends or your partners like nothing is ever one-sided there's always two people always play a role sometimes you're not invested enough in something and things Mm. slip to the side like you're a team and like and you know, once, you know, once you've done done a mistake, you both learn from it and you both move on. Um and I think when managers get really angry angry and voice that anger, it's quite unprofessional. Um mm. it's just that's not how you deal with conflict in life, because at the end of the day, like it is workplace conflict when something goes wrong. Like you don't just you shouldn't I mean people do, but you shouldn't just like shout and get angry mm. and hold the grudges. Um you should look at it as a team and it's a shared responsibility, I think.
0: Absolutely. Which then leads me to my my final question for you today, Ellen. So, if you could PR any brand or person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Uh, this is really difficult. <laughs> I, like, I don't have, like, that, like, I think you
1: just have to really, you have to really, like, for this kind of question, you have to, like, re- be really invested in, like, um... The spirit of something or the personality mm. of something um and the, and the only people or the only thing that comes to me that speaks to me is is two people it's um mm. uh, bernie sanders which is the american like senator and yeah. alexandra and i can never say her name alexandra oseo cortez um oh, she's love a, her. I
0: love her. AOP,
1: basically she's incredible and they're both incredible they're like trailblazers they're so they're so unique they've changed the game, mm. of politics, and British politics and American politics are very different. Very different, yeah. In the sense of the personalities of the people, like British people are so much more stiff and and mm. rehearsed, and these two are just so unrehearsed. They're so raw. They're, yeah. yeah. They're so they're just what's needed. Like comms can be political comms in, the, in this kind of industry. Like can be so well oiled, and politicians have been so media trained now to the point where like mm. people don't trust a word they say. But these guys are so different. So like to be if I ever was like to be on to be in their campaign team, um, and to like use the tools that I like specialize in on social media and digital um, and video to like reach people who are just so unengaged and disenfranchised mm. from politics, who don't understand like, stay. It's not working. These people, you know, these people who are in charge aren't helping you they're making things worse for you and this is why you should care um yeah it would just be I, just working in a team like that would just be so game-changing like you'd literally be changing the course of history um exactly. and I just think that would be incredible that's kind of why I got into yeah. politics in the first place like yeah. I, like, I want to be able to make like tangible change I want to be able to if I'm not so upset with everything that's happening in the world like I want even like just doing my freaking little tweets like yeah, yeah. I, you know, like at least I feel
0: like I'm doing my part somehow Um, and yeah it's it's interesting that you get people that go I'm not interested in politics or it's too complicated for me and I'm like you know you don't have to necessarily even live or breathe it but just know that you know political decisions do affect your day-to-day lifestyle so as you were talking about um you know the household benefits or whatever it was that you were then able to get under a certain threshold that then genuinely had an actual impact on you i.e getting a um computer so when people then say that they're disinterested it's like you shouldn't necessarily be disinterested because it changes your yeah your your life on a day-to-day basis so yeah 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 okay. oh well on that note a very very serious note to Ellen. Yeah. we've gone from buoy and finding a suit for uh, a tom ford suit for a tom jones and um, to to politics at the end on a on a more serious note but um thank you so much for dialing in today ellen i can't wait to share this with everybody um and i hope you have a good weekend yeah you too speak soon all right Take care. bye bye thanks to ellen for featuring us this week's comms One piece of advice that really stood out for me is to appreciate the value in making a mistake. Tune in next week as we are joined by marketing Hannah Jessica Peck, who's worked for a range of luxury and lifestyle brands across her career.